The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, April 2nd, 2023, on the basis of Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. On May 5th of 1997, the cover of Newsweek magazine read, The Brain's Last Stand. Also on that cover was a picture of a man by the name of Gary Kasparov. At the time, he was widely regarded as the best chess player the world had ever seen. And yet he was in the process of going up against an opponent that seemed to be even better at the game of chess. Not another human being, but an IBM supercomputer that was known as Deep Blue. Winning. And that cover of Newsweek magazine turned out to be a little bit prophetic. Turns out that that was sort of the brain's last stand, at least in terms of the game of chess. In the years that followed 1997, the gap between human intelligence and machine intelligence in the game of chess only widened farther and farther and farther. In fact, today a man by the name of Magnus Carlsen is regarded as the world's best chess player and according to him there would be absolutely no point in him trying to take on a computer because today it wouldn't even be close. And that's sort of what happens when a victory becomes so decisive. Once a victory becomes clear and obvious and unequivocally decisive, the fighting can stop. When two opponents are evenly matched with one another, we sort of enjoy seeing them go head-to-head, toe-to-toe, over and over and over again. Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. But if a basketball team defeats its opponent by a score of 106 to 8, do they really need to play again? to find out who is better? No, once a victory becomes that decisive, the fighting can stop. No rematch, no round two is needed. And I don't know about you, but I could stand to hear that truth and take to heart that truth a little bit more often. We live in a world that is absolutely full of fighting. It seems as though people are constantly at one another's throats. And in our hyper-connected world, it's not even as if we sort of do battle with one another for a little bit and then we, we both go to our corners and take a breather before the next round begins. No, it's, it's 24-7. It's with us in our pockets wherever we go. The fighting never stops. And in all of the punches that are being swung in this battle royale that we call life, it sure seems as though plenty of times enough of them land on Christians. That's why the Word of God that's in front of us this morning is so important. 
During this season of Lent, we have been hearing how the Bible sort of refers to Jesus as the last and ultimate man. He is the second Adam, and he came to win for us something even greater than what Adam, the first man, lost for us. Well, today begins the week where that work Jesus did for us was completed. Today, Palm Sunday, is when Jesus walked onto the field of battle for one final showdown with all of our enemies. He stepped into the ring one final time. But in order to win a victory for us that was so decisive that there wouldn't need to be a round two, that there wouldn't need to be a rematch. And that victory in this battle that Jesus won for us can be for us a perpetual source of peace, a constant sigh of relief in a world even like ours that is so full of fighting. And so as we look at these verses from Zechariah chapter 9 this morning, we're going to see that after the last man's last stand, the fighting can stop. Throughout this season of Lent, we've been tracing the history of God's people after that first man, Adam, brought sin and death into the world. We heard how God had promised one man, Abraham, that his descendants would occupy and possess the land that God had brought Abraham to. We heard how after 400 years of slavery in Egypt, God led the children of Abraham through the wilderness to enter and to live in that promised land. We heard how after centuries of disobedience and rebellion against God, God actually expelled the people from the land. He sent them into exile in Babylon. Well, in these verses, Zechariah is addressing the people of God who have come back from exile. They are once again living in the land God had promised them. But it wasn't theirs. Oh, they had high hopes. They had big dreams and aspirations that one day it would be theirs, that once again they would be an independent and autonomous people with their own king from David's line sitting on the throne once again. But at the moment, they were being ruled by Persia. And then after that, they were going to be ruled by the Greeks under a man named Alexander the Great. And then after Alexander's kingdom was all divvied up, they were ruled over by a dynasty called the Ptolemies from down in Egypt. And then after that, it was the Seleucids from up in Syria. And then eventually, the Romans conquered pretty much the whole wide world, and Caesar was their king. And so yes, the people were in the land, but the land was not theirs. Instead of being independent and autonomous, instead of having a king of their own, it seemed as they were simply pawns in everybody else's fights. Which is why I'm guessing that these words from Zechariah meant so much to them. In fact, Zechariah said, Rejoice greatly, people of God. Shout aloud. Why? Because a king was on the way but maybe not the kind of king that they would have expected God to send. Yes, he would be righteous and victorious, as Zechariah says, two attributes that are good for any king to have. But Zechariah foretold that he would also be lowly. He would be humble. 
He would be gentle. He would be needy, we might even say, at the mercy, completely at the mercy of others. And these characteristics that, I, that Zechariah describes are really embodied and displayed in what he foretold and what we see fulfilled on Palm Sunday. This king would ride on a donkey. Now, plenty of kings rode on donkeys, but only after the battle was done, only after the enemy had de been defeated. Jesus was riding on a donkey into battle, onto the field of battle. Jesus was climbing into the ring with both hands tied behind his back. He was putting himself completely at the mercy of the opponents and enemies that were waiting for him. And so, yes, he was coming as a king, but even he would look more like a pawn. Now, I should probably mention that neither the people in Zechariah's day would describe themselves or describe their coming king as a pawn because the game of chess wouldn't be invented for about another thousand years. But I think that word pawn is a pretty good word to describe how sometimes we can often feel in a world that is full of so much fighting. Yes, as in Zechariah's day, people are still fighting over land, over physical territory, we might say. But they are also fighting over other things. They're fighting over intellectual territory, a.k.a. truth. They're fighting over political territory, a.k.a. power. They're fighting over social territory, a.k.a. status. They're fighting over financial territory, a.k.a. wealth. So let me ask, does it feel to you as though being a Christian guarantees that you are always going to have the upper hand in all of those battles and all of that fighting that goes on in our world? Does it even feel as though being a Christian helps in those kinds of battles and that kind of fighting that goes on in our world? Does it ever feel to you as though who you are and what you believe is simply being used by whatever side happens to feel it is advantageous at the moment? That the Bible and the Christian faith are quoted when beneficial but then criticized when inconvenient? Does it ever feel as though you as a member of the people of God are nothing more than a pawn in everybody else's fight? Oh, but what's to worry about? We've got the king of the whole universe on our side, right? True, we do. But it sure is easy for us to think that he is going to fight in exactly the same way that the rest of the world is fighting. It sure is easy for us to think that if he is going to win the victory for us, if he is going to help us in our battles, then he's going to do exactly what everyone else is doing. He's going to get his hands on the levers of power. And he needs to be in control of the legislation. He needs to be control, in control of the media. He needs to be in control of the curriculum. It sure would be easy to think that what he really needs is our vote and our voice, and maybe what he even needs from us is a white-hot righteous anger that matches the intensity of the people who are on the other side. With all of the fighting that goes on in our world, it is very natural and very good for us 
to rely on the king that we have on our side, but it is also very easy to forget that he is the type of king who came into this world looking an awful lot like a pawn. So where does that leave us? Does that mean that in all of the battles that go on in our world, we are always going to be at a disadvantage? We are always going to be on the losing side? Well, if we define winning and losing the way that the world does, and if we obsess over those intellectual battles and those political battles and those social battles and those financial battles the same way that the world obsesses over them, then yes, very often we are going to feel as though we are losing and as if we have no help from our king. But Jesus didn't come to give us just a few occasional victories in the kinds of battles that the world likes to obsess over. Jesus didn't come to fight with the very same weapons and the very same tactics that the world uses only to do so just a little bit better than anybody else. No, he came to fight a completely different battle and win a completely different victory. He came to render those weapons and those tactics that the world likes to use unimportant and obsolete. In fact, Zechariah says that this coming king is going to take out of his people's hands the weapons that they would normally use for battle. And Zechariah says that he is going to come not just to give one specific people one specific piece of land, Instead, he is going to bring peace to all nations and his rule is going to extend to the ends of the earth. So yes, there were battles that people were fighting in Zechariah's day in which the people of God often seemed like nothing more than pawns. And yes, there were battles that people were fighting in Jesus' day in which Jesus willingly made himself a pawn. But in the process, he was fighting enemies far greater, and winning a victory far greater. The last man was taking the last stand against enemies like Satan and sin and death. He was coming to render all of those battles, all of those weapons, all of those tactics that so often we become so preoccupied with as trivial by comparison to the victory that we have in him. So boy, it sure is easy to obsess over how many people are on our side. Are we in the majority? Do we have enough votes? King Jesus has made us members of a team, members of a family, in fact, that isn't limited by territorial boundaries or electoral maps. In fact, it spans both space and even time. It includes untold thousands of people from Asia and Africa and South America. It includes people long dead and people still to be born. That's our side. That's the party that we belong to as citizens of King Jesus. It sure is easy for us to get all caught up in individual battles, individual decisions, individual policies. King Jesus came to guarantee that every single decision, every single policy set in every boardroom, 
Every chamber of every state house in every country of the world all serves our advantage. All of human history has an arrow on it that is pointing in one direction, the triumph of Jesus and his people. It's so very easy for us to obsess over the next election cycle, the next term, the next decade, the next generation. Well, guess what? No matter who is in power, it only lasts for so long. The grave sets a term limit that nobody can escape. But Jesus came to give us a victory over that grave. He came to give us a death, uh, I'm sorry, a life on the other side of death. So no, the victory that Jesus brings into this world does not guarantee that all of the fighting in our world is going to suddenly and instantly stop. But because of the last man's last stand, we have a peace that cannot be limited. And it does mean that our obsession over all of the fighting that so often people are obsessed with in our world, that can very much come to an end. So what do you suppose you could do if you feel that obsession sort of welling up inside of you again? Let's say a basketball team defeats its opponent by a score of 106 to 8. What if, after time passes, the team that had lost starts to get a little bit cocky? They think that they could win a rematch. Or what if the team that had won that game sort of starts to engage in some of the very same silliness and thinks that they still have something to prove? Well, one thing that could solve that problem is if there was a tape of the game that had already been played. They could sit down and watch it. In fact, they might even decide to plan on a regular basis to sit down as a team and watch that tape that was crystal clear proof that the victory had been won, a victory so decisive that no rematch was needed. In fact, when it comes to that battle that took place in 1997 between Garry Kasparov and Deep Blue, there actually is a tape. A documentary was made about the whole epic battle between the two of them. It's called Game Over. So if you think that you're going to grow up to beat the world's best computer in the game of chess, maybe you should watch that tape before you do. Well, friends, what God has given us in our Savior Jesus Christ is not just a victory in the battles that matter most. He's also given us the tape. He's given us the record of the last man's last stand. And in fact, that's what this week called Holy Week is really for. It's for our team to sit down together and once again watch that tape to remember that we have in Jesus a victory that is so decisive that all of the world's fighting pales by comparison. Boy, it sure is easy to get all caught up obsessing over some of the battles that go on in our world. It sure is easy to think that anything of real significance and real consequence is still up for grabs in our world and still needs to be decided. But don't be deceived. The tape doesn't lie. The game is already over. Amen. <laughs>